On today's episode of the McCann Dogs Podcast, we have a party in the studio today. Instructor Carol, Instructor Steve, the infamous Instructor Swanee. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Instructor Shannon. And now, Instructor Shannon. Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast. It is season four, and you can probably already hear that my voice is cracky a bit because I'm ready to burst out laughing because we have a party in the studio today. It's, it's not just Swanee and I. It's a foursome. It it's is a foursome. foursome. We are going to do a bit of an instructor roundtable. And first off, you have met instructor Carol. She's joining us again today. Thanks for coming, Carol. Hi, guys. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm instructor Shannon. We have, of course, the infamous instructor. Instructor Swanee. Is Swanee infamous, in the house. Does it mean more than famous? It infamous? means like, yeah, just like beyond. Okay. Absolutely beyond. Legend. Which yeah. brings me, legend is the best word to bring me to our <laughs> next guest, who is Instructor Steve. Woo! Legend Woo! is in the studio. You haven't met Instructor Steve on the McCann Dogs podcast before, but if you've been to in-person classes and if you have watched our YouTube channel, You've met Instructor Steve, so thanks for jumping in, Steve. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's (laughs) nice to be had every now and then. Absolutely, and it's so nice to have you here on the McCann Dogs podcast because we needed more bass. Well, that's that's exactly why they keep me around. Steve has a great radio voice, so (laughs) we're going to have some fun. Got a great radio face, so that's a good thing. You may also recognize Instructor Steve from America's Most Wanted. (laughs) Well, no, the milk curtains came first, then the posters, then it was the anyway. Leave it to Brian, right? Leave it to Brian, yeah. Instructor Brian. Steve has been yeah. on Leave It to Brian. Anything else? Overboard. What's that below deck show? I bet you'd be shooing that one. <laughs> no, there's there's too much drama on that one. Too anyway. much we won't drama. get into that. All Anywho. right, good idea. Good Anywho. idea. You know what? Let's talk dogs. Ooh, let's talk dogs. I think that's a good topic for this group of people to talk about. So we thought we'd bring you sort of an instructor round table today. And, you know, before we get into all of the fun things that I have planned for you on today's podcast. Oh, that's fun. Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself, your current dogs, you know, just anything that you want to introduce oh, yourself with. Oh, current dogs. Current dogs my life is very easy right now i have nice. an old border collie she's 10 which isn't really that old but it's old for me which is i'll, Just I'll, watch get, that. I'll get to why um and <laughs> then my young dog i know, older. I know. <laughs> and uh, uh i've got a four-year-old border collie right now but uh, i have had uh, irish wolfhounds giant breed dogs for th- almost 30 years so big dogs um i love my sight hounds i've also had a whippet along mm-hmm. the way one of the um wonderful things about sight hounds is they're uh, not the typical dog that you train to do things. Um, one of the terrible things about giant breed dogs, they don't live very long. So yeah. in that time, I've had lots of them, which meant I was training all the time. It really, really was. And that's what sort of took me from doing dog training as a hobby for my own pets to, hey, this is actually kind of fun. And I was just here <laughs> so much that Marty finally was like, why don't you just come and teach? Because you're here all the time anyway. Like, it, that's yeah, sort of what right, it turned yeah. into. Just put on a blue shirt. It, re- it, it, pretty, much, it pretty much got <laughs> to that. So, uh, um, so yeah, so I've got the Border Collies right now. Um, and um, my sort of main focus with them is agility and competing in agility. So I'm pretty... Uh, it's a, it's pretty fun, and I Perfect. get to see. I think I added it up. Um, and Carol, you're probably pretty close. I think right now, with both sessions running in in person classes, I see anywhere from 100 to 120 dogs a week. So yeah. lots of different dogs. Lots yeah. and lots of time spent troubleshooting yeah. and training. And yeah. Fabulous. And you do a great job of that. And our students love Steve because not only is he 
as handsome as you could imagine, mm -hmm. he is also the best dad joke teller <laughs> that you will ever meet in your life. So give us a dad joke. Now no, 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 you can't, you can't build it up like that. They'll just come. They just pop out yeah. naturally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All righty. And for those of you who don't know Instructor Carol as well, if you've listened to the McCann Dogs podcast, she's been on as a guest a couple of times. But Carol, give us a quick uh, rundown of your current dogs in-house. So, and I started with Pig. Yes. So, and then we actually, sorry to interrupt, we actually have a full episode of Carol and her interesting start in training dogs with a pig. So check that out on the McCann Dogs podcast. Please go ahead. Then to a Great Dane, then to Terriers. And right now I have uh, one Terrier cross, two Border Collies. So Steve's got an old dog at 10. I have young dogs. <laughs> Thorpe, my Border Collie at 11 and a half. And Burke, my uh, Terrier mix at 10 and a half. And then I have a three-year-old Border Collie as well. And hopefully in my future, a Terrier. Well, I should qualify that though, because like for me, a 10-year-old dog is like ancient. <laughs> like having oh, giant breed with dogs, hands. it yeah. really yeah. is. So yes. you know, through all those years, the oldest dog, my whippet, was my oldest dog, uh, and he was ten because he ended up having um, some heart issues. But to have a ten-year-old dog now, I'm having this like, oh my gosh, like I have this old dog. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and now and then I'm like, oh my gosh my dog and I have these moments because she is like my right hand for teaching classes you guys know she's with me all the time she teaches all the classes my young dog does as well but I have these moments where I'm like oh my gosh like I'm panicking not having her yeah. a little bit yeah. Yeah. so anyway but that's uh, that's why the, the the old dog thing to me that's sort of why my frame of reference yeah it's, well and hopefully many more years yep. yet to come with young jet yeah. but Definitely. I can appreciate because starting out with a Rottweiler she, her she mm -hmm. maxed out at 10 yeah. and then it was the end of her time and it was devastating and heartbreaking and now you know longer lived tollers that I have had and been lucky enough to have for many more years than 10 it's like oh I really feel cheated with Quincy, but <laughs> and I was lucky with Earl, my great Dane. How long did Earl live? 11 and a half. And oh, he was wow. playing yeah. fly huge. ball that year. Yeah. yeah. Huge. So it's really good. Yes. Yeah. It, awesome. it also yeah. sort of makes you appreciate the old dogs more. You yes. know what I mean? Like oh. you just. Mm -hmm. They're so special. They're so special. They've earned all of the things. Yeah. They get all of the stuff. There's, you know, there are still rules and all that kind of thing, but they just. Like, yep, that's your spot in the coach, buddy. You, you just keep sleeping. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And we know them so well, yeah. and they know us so well by that age. And, like, that's just one of the side effects of training. You mm -hmm. really learn about each other. You mm -hmm. learn to read each other without even really thinking about it. And it becomes such a natural thing. And then, of course, when that ends, it's huge. It leaves a huge hole in our lives. Awful. Mm -hmm. Let's How did this get so depressing? Thanks for inviting this me. This is great. We promised wow. a fun podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Now we're not having you on again. That's <laughs> it. That Steve brings yeah. us down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. All righty. And the infamous Swanee, of course. Let's just quickly jump in. What do you have in-house right now? Well, right now I am down to one dog, mm -hmm. and it's actually a 14-year-old Chinese Crested Powder Puff yeah. Honda. I call him an Ewok. So, yes, yes. So I'm going to have to refuel. Because I yes. am getting low it's in the dog, puppy time in the dog department. It's past yes. puppy time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. You do need a puppy for sure. For sure. All right. We'll plan that for you. We'll drop a puppy. Okay. And what about you, Shannon? Perfect. I let's am, not skip I'm gloss not, over yeah. things here. Yeah. So uh, sadly, I just said goodbye to Reggie recently, which I'm going to gloss over that because yeah, I, 100%. I, yeah. Um, but so I'm, I'm down to Ned in house who is uh, six and a bit and I have a puppy on order. So if mm, the female so would cooperate, mm -hmm. then my puppy would have already been here, but she's not cooperating. So I'm just patiently or not so patiently it's, waiting it's not for patient. my new puppy. It's not patient. <laughs> 
but we do plan names for the new puppy. Oh yes, yes. Oh, yes. You always plan names. Oh yeah, Don't I have a whole that? list in my phone that every oh, time absolutely. I think of one, then I'm like, oh, I would love that, and it usually has to have a good connection to the registered name and whatnot. And I put it in my phone, and then I come back to it and I decide once I, you know, get closer to having the actual puppy. So. Oh, there's always a running puppy puppy oh, na- yeah. puppy name mm-hmm. list. Yep, yeah. absolutely. I mm-hmm. tend to like human names, so it, they tend to come to, from song lyrics and things like that when it uh, when it really boils down to it, but. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots of fun. All righty. So right off the bat, my first question, I think I probably know the answer. Okay. Steve, what's your favorite thing to train with your dogs? Oh, gosh. Feel free to wow. be broad or specific. <laughs> you know, favorite thing is it. Hmm. And it okay, can I, be okay, I have one. I have one. I have one. I have one. All right. Um, but it, it changes as things change with your dog. It really, really ah, does. That's so that's answer. my thing because so I, just for example today, so I had a nine week old puppy that I worked one on one with this morning. So when I think about, okay, you just bring the puppy home. Um, really my favorite thing to train is just all those little teeny basics that simply just pay attention to me, follow yeah. food, be comfortable when I take a hold of your collar. You know, it's all that really baby stuff that makes such a big difference down the road. Huge. You know, with baby puppies, that's always my focus, you know, in it well, closely with go in your crate and be quiet. <laughs> there is that as well. But, but We love that one also. But you know what? Like today was a perfect example. I had, an, I had a nine-week-old puppy, a little multi-pool, teeny little thing. And we did so many neat things. And, and the, uh, the student was so happy because in... 15 minutes, that puppy was just staring at her going, wow, you are so cool. So in the early stages, basic stuff, all the basic stuff, you know, really, really just the relationshipy. Here's how life goes. I'm awesome. Let's have fun. Um, After that, it really depends on the thing. If I was thinking, talking young dogs, um, response to name. Okay. Response to name. It, you know, is in as many places as I possibly can because it's a foundation yeah. of verbal control. It's if Absolutely. you can respond to your name, you can do other things. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. I can build a solid response to name in those, especially in that, you know, sort of past baby puppy stage and onward, other things become easy because once I get your attention, then we can do stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that that really mm-hmm. nails it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to look to you now, Carol. Mm-hmm. And Steve sort of focused on the puppy angle. And I know that you're not a huge fan of puppies. No, I've you, had puppies. Yeah. Um, and I've had rescues. But I do. Um, I, mean, I think some of it's my favorite. Um, and you probably know this is proofing. Yes. I okay. I'm proofing. with you. So for me, I love, you know, I do the work with the young dogs or the rescue. Um, I've got that attention. I've got that eagerness to work and that wanting to work together. And I love seeing that brain just turn on um, that, you know, I provide little challenges. And when the dog gets and wins, they have such clarity yes. on what the task is, such value for the work. And it's just so much fun going crazy. What challenges can I come up with? Exactly. And I'm sure that your creativity makes for a wonderfully proof dog. So tell us in a nutshell, when does proofing come into play? I would say every time, I think it's just natural, I proof. So whenever my dog um, has is learning a skill, so even with that puppy, you know, um, when they're very young, I've got, a, you know, the first time I've got them, I got a bowl of food at a distance, right? Yeah. They oh, I'm interested in that. And I'm just like not available. And then, you know, very shortly thereafter, they'll look and say, I don't care about that bowl of food. I'd rather focus on you. Or with 
agility, you know, can I be lying down in another room eating a bowl of chips while my dog can listen with this? Well, that's a really nice setup. <laughs> that's, that's extreme proofing. Yeah, so I just love it, you know, and the yeah. dogs love it. I'm with you too. And the look on their face when you're challenging them on a skill. So say, for example, I'm proofing a sit, a simple sit, and I might take the leash and just put a little gentle pressure into the leash. And, you know, most of the time that would mean move to me, but I've told you to sit. So can you figure out that in this situation, when I'm gently pulling on the leash, you're supposed to hold the sit. And of course, before they make a mistake, we would mark yes, walk in and reward. And the dog goes, oh, I was right. I, I knew I was right. And I had held my ground and I got rewarded for it. And the look on their face, I They're just love that. good problem solvers, especially Jack Russell's. Yeah. But uh, I just love it. I still remember one class where one of our instructors was in class and I was playing a game, uh, the walk away game, where the dog has to figure out how to keep us engaged. Because most of the time we're working pretty hard with those dogs to love keep this. them engaged. So a little re- bit reverse psychology where we're playing or feeding them, then we stop and the dog has to figure out what behavior will get us. And I still remember one of our instructors who watched the demo and it was during COVID, so they had a mask on and they were at the far end of the class, but they still gave me the this is stupid. My dog won't do this. This is stupid. I could see the instructor thinking that. And then it was so funny because her dog's in. She's like, I can't, I can't believe that. Like, why would the dog do that? It's because they're brilliant. Yes, they truly are. If we give them the opportunity to shine, they will shine. Well, I was going to say, and just, just adding to that, you know, the idea of proofing and what proofing, you know, makes in the dog's brain, it really makes them think, but also us humans are terrible. Oh, <laughs> for doing things Especially the, you, the exact same way <laughs> it's true. all yeah. the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where Carol's brain is such a cool thing to sort of put into people because, you know, you make little changes. Like mm-hmm. these are not big changes, especially, you know, when a dog is learning, you make little changes for them to be right. But people just do the same old thing yeah. and the dogs do the same old thing and the dogs respond the same old way. But the moment one of those things changes, people are genuinely surprised that the dog doesn't respond. And we go, okay, this is where that idea of proofing is so cool. And it doesn't have to be huge things. Like literally that food bowl that was at the far side of the room comes a foot closer. Yeah. Literally those little changes yes. are such key things. for. Yeah, dogs. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or can I drop a toy on the floor and tell you to sit at the same time? Mm-hmm. And will you get that right? Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, Swanee. Oh, well, I think mine, mine's kind of a broad brush. I love to have off leash verbal control. Oh, That's yes. That's one of my most satisfying freedom. moments. The freedom. freedom. Yeah, for I, you and for the dog. Exactly. I like to be able to, you know, get out of my car, open the door and my dog just listens actively to me. They, they're listening. Do they, do I want them to move closer? Can they go off and run? Do they want to play? So having a dog that can be off leash in any situation, well, not in some situations, yeah, of course, yeah, but in, in proper dog situations, yeah. that's, I just love Huge. that. There, I love like, you know, going to a beach and letting your dog run. There, there's nothing more satisfying yes. to me. Absolutely. And all of these things, they come with balance with creating a fun situation, but also a situation where the dog gets accustomed to listening as well. So that's fantastic. Now, same question to you, Shannon. What's your favorite thing to train? We can't leave you out of this discussion. So if I got really specific, I think I'm going to go specific on this one. I would say... Working hold work with birds Mm. is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things to do because it is such a complex thing. So you've got this big, wet, heavy duck and I have tollers, so they're not they're not 80 pound labs. You know, they're not 70 or 80 pound labs. They're they're little tollers. My my 
my toller right now is the biggest I've ever had at 50 pounds. But, you know, I've had uh, 29 and a 33 pound toller and both of them could no problem by the, by the time they were well-trained, they could carry a full goose. And it just boggles the mind that you can go from, you know, this concept where most of the time they would want to eat that thing. Yeah, right? exactly. yeah. And, yeah. Or chew it or, or at least, tug it yeah, or lay and chew it. it apart. Yes. Yeah, whatever the case may be to you can delicately hold this really heavy thing and have a firm enough but soft enough grip. And over the years and having multiple tollers, I have sort of refined how I teach that Mm -hmm. down to such a nice, fine little art. And I just love going through the steps and stages of it and watching them balance out. Very cool. Yeah. Favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I feel like this is 20 questions is what we're going to do. It is. And and I feel like um, we're going to get into some like really fun word association. And what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay. Okay. I thought, I thought we all should have squirt guns and whoever (laughs) is the answer first first. squirts her. Okay. Yes. Why do I have to get wet? They should squirt you. Oh no, no, no. No, no, You're much, much more equipped. (laughs) That way we know who shot first. We do need to have like some sort of a buzzer (laughs) system in here so that when I ask the question, the first person to tap in gets to answer the actual question. So yeah, you win a prize. You win five dollars. Do, do we, we have, have to, to monopoly money? Oh, are we going to say the same thing? Do we have to phrase our answer in the following yes, question. Yes, I was going to yes. say that too. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. okay, I say okay. yes. What is? All right. Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest questions we get all the time. One of the mm-hmm. most frequently asked questions we get. Carol, what do you use for training treats? Ooh, I use kibble. Kibble. That's most, it. Most of the time, I, I'll use the um, the kibble's healthy, right? It's a something healthy. It's low calories. You're not gaining weight. If I need something higher value for a dog, then absolutely I'm going to do that. I want that result. I want the dog to have value for me and for working. So I'll use what I need. But um, what do you tend I, to go to if you want something higher value? Uh, chicken wiener because I like it. Gotcha. Then I'm not sure the dogs get much, but uh, I'll use sweet potato sometimes too. Okay. Just to uh, mix it up. It's also great for students to be able to see it if I'm training. Mm-hmm. They can see the treat or Charlie Bear's low calorie. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. I'm, I err on the side of healthy. Um, I'm pretty lucky. Early on, one of the things I really do is um, that value for me and value for working creating mm-hmm. that so i remember with fred the pig it was sort of funny because i struggled with him eating off the ground because everything was edible of course and it dinner's be, all over it'd be funny because we got to a point where he could walk through a room over the f- covered the floor covered in treats to work and he cared more about the work than the food on the ground so he'd work for like one kibble uh, and ignore that other so uh kibble is my go-to but i will mix it up if i need to nice Nice. That's a good answer. And really with food, it's about what the dog finds valuable and it's about the impact that we want to make when it comes to food. So sometimes we're working in a quiet environment and kibble is going to be perfect for that. Or if the dog's well established, just having a kibble reward is enough. But sometimes we need a little bit more and there's not really a magic pill. People are often curious what we're feeding Mm. because they think there's this magic solution in our treats. And it's really not about that. It's about setting the dog up for success. I also think delivery. Uh, I was working a dog with the dog on the weekend with disc and I want the dog a little more the dog's very um very thoughtful and I wanted uninhibited so I wanted to bring out the crazy and the dog liked food but it's the throwing of the food and my voice and the excitement of multiple pieces um I find can create so I was using little higher value liver and chicken wiener mixed in with some kibble okay um but I think 
delivery. It's like marketing for dogs. Same yeah. as people, right? Exactly. A lot of it's the presentation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Or absolutely. Even, even a sl- uh, the opposite, a slow delivery mm-hmm. can help that too. Exciting. Yes. That, that like, ooh, oh, I look what I got. And I yes. did that. You're yes. right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I always do that, and I say. <gasps> Is Neddy ready for another cookie? Because I don't use Neddy when I actually call him. Right, that's yes. one of his nicknames. You sound like a psychopath. When <laughs> like you that, yes, yes. Just like now? an absolute raving psychopath. Do you change seats? Do you raise Neddy ready for another cookie? Neddy ready. It, it puts, puts the, the lotion, lotion on. on its skin. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't run from the room. The other thing you do that Shannon does that's so scary, um. I still remember, and I still talk about it in class, when I talk about the value of a reward that's delivered fast is more valuable than a treat that we yes and we find my treat out of the pocket (laughs) so i always talk about how that's where i'll throw that treat on a verbal down but i'll talk about this crazy instructor shannon who (laughs) to deliver the treat quickly instead of throwing it would Uh. run like a battered hell towards their dog and (laughs) deliver this treat and i remember seeing it the first time i thought you know, most dogs would be terrified because Shannon, <laughs> yeah, I don't the know pressure what she's coming doing. In. Yeah. Shannon goes running the down, yes, and then runs 20 feet to her dog to deliver the tree quickly. Oh, it builds it some excitement, unique. I'll tell you. Oh. Yeah, it builds some excitement. I like that fun move. <laughs> oh, All so right, funny. Steve, what do you do to exercise your puppies? Oh, to exercise. You were like switching gears here. I I thought I was going to the food question. Yeah, no, I thought we, I thought we satisfied the food question very nicely. What do I do to exercise my puppies? Um, so I will tell you what I used to do, and I don't do anymore. I used to do a lot of a lot of chuck it, and I don't do okay. chuck it anymore. How come? Um, too many dogs got too many injuries from this crazy bouncing ball, and they had no emotional or body awareness, and they were crashing and jumping. It just, you know, over the years we learn how to take care of our dogs better, and yes. um, with all the sports stuff I do with my dogs, I want them to be sound. They get so much body care that anything that produces. Um, you know, there's a, where there's a higher chance that they could get injured because we do enough stuff where they can get injured. Agility, especially there's Absolutely. lots of reasons just like disc. Yeah. There are lots of opportunities for dogs to get hurt and we don't want them to. Um, so that I don't do. I, th- a lot of the things I do, if I want physical exercise, I'll do restrain recalls to a toy, nice. to a person, to the, so like, that is the best way to build a skill and take some energy off. Yeah. If I really want to tire them out, I do mental things. I teach them to sit literally just to sit and people go well that's boring i know but it's really hard for a dog's brain to yeah. do nothing it's really mm-hmm. hard for them to sit while my nine-year-old son hangs around and plays with the basketball or does it like it's really hard for them to do that and the more they use the brain the more settled they are and the easier they are when they do that they're just not busy because you know my my current dogs border collies like most puppies can go crazy sleep for five minutes and then go crazy again like there's no yeah. recovery right mm-hmm. so teaching them to use their brain really really helps with yeah that. Mm-hmm. i love that and mm-hmm. that i think you hit the nail right on the head with it the the ability to have emotional control and to tap into that emotional control as something that we're working on and teaching as a skill is exhausting for them mm-hmm. it's absolutely exhausting and it's a fabulous way to build skills and build understanding and help tire out their brain a little bit. So. so one of the things I do in class intentionally to help people with this, and it just popped into my head because one of the things I do when we teach playtime, settle and sit, right? We teach them to play, settle, sit. We stand up tall, that nice posture, dog sits. And I'll have the students stand there mm-hmm. with their dog sitting, not in a controlled sit inside, just wherever, while we talk about it. Yeah. And it's this uncomfortably long time. And you can see it as they start to talk and the instructors talk and things like that. You can see dogs lying down, mm-hmm. dogs moving here, dogs moving there. And, and when we have to go, okay, guys, sit means sit. Yeah. 
and it's exhausting for the person to follow through on, but it's the best way to proof that perf- that, that specific yes. thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sit means sit, yeah. and that is impossible for, it's not impossible, it's very hard for puppies to do without direction. Yes. So... Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, and and we want to get to a point with our training where we've built skills. And a lot of the times people tend to compartmentalize, you know, you've got training over here and then you've got real life over here and you've got play somewhere over here. And if we can combine all these things, then that is what creates a well-balanced dog who listens in all situations. You know, if life as a regular thing includes them listening and our expectations that they listen and play is part of that listening, and then training is all part of that whole thing. You know, you've got a couple of months of hard work when you bring a young dog home and then you can really head into maintenance mode where it's front loaded. It's all front loaded. It's like, you know, the first six months are work. They absolutely Mm -hmm. are. And it's work after that. Management management as well. Um, But that, that makes the rest of it so much easier. Absolutely. You know? It does. Carol, in a nutshell, give us a definition of management. Get in that nutshell. That's a big <laughs> nutshell. No, Carol was already in the nutshell. Oh, Carol, okay. in a nutshell. Carol in a nutshell. Carol in a nutshell. Carol in a nutshell. Maybe I'm a nut. So for me, it is providing structure so that my dog is going to pattern the behaviors I want. Brilliant. So mm-hmm. I could have a puppy. You know, Texas is a great example when she was young. I said the other day, Texas so wants to be right, but so naturally does what's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, but she wants to be right. Uh, so I could have her when she was young, chewing, eliminating, bothering the other dogs, running, um, doing things, pulling on the leash, and I could get mad at her all the time. And that doesn't do much for a relationship at all. Um, Or I can provide that structure so that she acts the way I want as she gets older and everything is good. We build a great relationship. She learns that's the way to behave. And then, like Steve said, the first six months is a lot of work, mm-hmm. but then the dogs can have freedom and uh, it's just not stressful yeah. and you have a great relationship. Absolutely. And Swanee, a uh, couple of management tools. What are some management tools that spring to mind? A management tool, simple one is a crate. Yes. Yep. House lines. House Thank lines, yeah. Yep. Leashes, collars. Baby gates. Yeah. Yes. Baby gates. That's a good right? one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. So uh, these management tools allow us to prevent rehearsal of the wrong things. So Carol, yes. you said that you wanted to guide behavior and you wanted to rehearse <coughs> the right things. It's very important as well. And this is what we do through management that we don't rehearse the wrong, wrong things. things because what's practiced is what becomes the target goal for the dog. Mm-hmm. If they're used to ignoring you when you ask them to sit, then that's what sit will become. Mm-hmm. If they're used to parking their butt on the ground when you say sit, that's what sit will become. So you can practice what you want with your dog and you can get that ultimate result with a little bit of both management and that early work training your dog as well. It's early work, but it's so less frustrating. It is. And it's so fun and rewarding. Like I love when I've got a young puppy that I'm molding and shaping and they're learning and they're picking up on things like that is so fun. And I think that people miss out on the fun because they let the puppies have too much freedom too quickly. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes the grind. Yeah. And then it becomes, you're wrong. Right. Don't, yep. do that, exactly. don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And yeah. I, I have said to other instructors, you know, with puppies be like, okay, this week I am not going to tell my dog they're wrong for anything. Yeah. Like, Love the, that. like the, that's my goal for this week, the entire week, 
because then it is happy. Yes. Then it is good stuff. Then life is awesome and you're not frustrated by these little yes. chomping, busy, furry little mm. creatures. Yes. And they are. They Those are. Those teeth yes. are little razors. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're a lot to deal with. So mm-hmm. you do. And I think that's something that's important to point out. I know you guys have said this before and, and I say this all the time. Our puppies don't come programmed yeah. to be perfect. They don't. It's like true, we right? go through all the same things that, you know, everybody does who gets a puppy the difference is we know the value of yes. management. We know the value of direction. We know the value of being proactive yeah. to mm-hmm. say, here's how life is. And that's what the change is. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. We guide the behavior. We show yeah. the puppies what to do. We don't just let them mm-hmm. figure out the world on their yeah. own. They come out of their crate and they're working with us and we're guiding them and we're giving them good structure. And they still do all the things. And every now and of then course. we still have to say, don't do that. But then mm-hmm. it's closely followed by, here's what I yes. want you to do instead. Right. Exactly. Right? And typically very quickly <clears throat> in our relationships with our puppies, we have skills we can rely on. Like I always talk about teaching out or drop it as one of the first things that I teach when my puppies come home. I teach response to name and I teach out because I know they're going to be picking up things. I know I'm going to want to get their attention and I know that I'm going to want them to drop things that are not appropriate Mm -hmm. for them to have in their mouth. So rather than it being chase them around, grab them, wrestle it out of their mouth, I just teach this skill right away. And then I manage it really tightly until I get to the point where the skill is taught and now I've got it and I've got this cooperation that I can create in my relationship with my dog. So that's similar to uh, counter surfing. A lot of our students ask about counter surfing, surfing and it turns out the dogs are serving. Yes, serving counters. And it turns out the dogs have been doing it for months yes. and months, and they've been getting <clears throat> random rewards. You yeah. know, they get up, they steal that muffin. They get up there, they steal that sandwich. Yeah. And now it's like pulling a slot now, machine. Now yes. it's mm-hmm. way absolutely. more work than it would have been. Yes, managing yes. the puppy at the exactly. Beginning. Yeah, absolutely. If you walked by a, an ATM and there was a twenty dollar bill in it, chances are every time you walk by that ATM, you're looking to see if there's another random right. reinforcement. Well, it's in like. There. When we were kids, the vending machines, I'd stick my finger oh, yeah. in to see if there was a quarter. Oh, oh I got a quarter yes. out of the gum machine. <gasps> I remember doing yeah. that with pay phones. Looking for change. Yeah, change. Yeah. Pay phones. Yeah. Pay phones. Steve, you had an inhale there. Did you have something to add? <laughs> he's laughing at our pay phones. He's laughing at I'm pay laughing, phones. And he's I just them as old. Too. I know. I, I, am, <laughs> I, I am. I am just as old, unfortunately. <laughs> I think he's older than us. Um, no, what I, what I was like going to say <laughs> was like things like jumping on counters, though. You know, those are also things that students would say to us. Oh, it's this completely random behavior. Yeah. Well, that's predictable. It's not that random because <laughs> yeah. guess what? That $20 in yeah. the ATM might still be there. So it instantly becomes a, a predictable behavior in yes. those situations. And yes. that's the other thing that people miss. Mm-hmm. In those. Yeah. yeah. And we, we tend to tackle things head on yes. too. So I'm going to say, you know what? You want to counter surf? Well, I'm putting a muffin up there. Yeah. And I'm yeah. going to stand here and I'm going to. Let you yeah. know not yes, to. Absolutely. Yes. Teach and you we're not gonna, to. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to reward you for making for, the right choices. Exactly. Right. And then if you make the wrong choice, we're right there to be able to give them timely feedback on mm-hmm. that wrong choice as right. well. Brilliant. I did that once. I said, did you eat that steak? And the dog did not answer me. So oh. <laughs> did you smell his breath? Well, I did, but smelled like breath. dog breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do hear of dogs that ruin Christmas by eating the, the entire turkey. turkey. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my, oh my goodness. And so dangerous. Yes. Any sort of cooked bones. So oh my goodness. growing up, so growing we were talking about dogs earlier. You've not so, grown up yet. No, I haven't grown up. But I had a terribly <laughs> trained poodle. My first dog and family dog was a terribly trained poodle. But going beyond that, my grandparents had a terribly trained poodle as well. But before the ter- their terribly so trained poodle, <laughs> they, had, they had this dashend. Okay. Who would eat until it exploded. <laughs> and I remember being dogs. a little kid and it, it somehow, <laughs> it, it did, and over some sausage, it somehow <laughs> ate my grandmother's Thanksgiving turkey. And oh, I remember oh. it was like on its back. Oh my goodness. On the dining room table next to like this skeleton. <laughs> 
Completely distended. And it ate around the bones? It, 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 like it just started going with all the meat and this little beak was in there eating all this stuff, oh. but it literally passed wow. out because it couldn't eat anymore. I remember it clear oh. as day. It was oh. hilarious. Oh my goodness. Yep. Oh. yep. There's another growing up story for you. <laughs> the dog That's probably it. slept for a week with all yeah. that. Oh yeah. Yes, well, yeah. We, had, we had to roll it outside and do oh it like, like a log. Give it a good squeeze yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Icing a cake. <laughs> Carol, what would you say is the most commonly given advice that comes out of your mouth? Mm, <laughs> I would say it goes back to um, develop, developing that leader leadership, mm-hmm. which again, I always say it doesn't mean, you know, you will behave because a lot of people, you know, the dog should just listen to me. You know, you earn that respect. You have to do it with a dog no different than a person. Uh, and I think dogs are animals people think about love but you know if i want a dog to truly respect me and us to have a great relationship um it's providing that leadership that the dog sees i've got their back i mean i was just at the vet today with thorpe right and he's nervous as you know he's poked with a needle um but he doesn't struggle at all it's like he just leans into me and it's okay if you're doing this it's got to be for my my sake. You know, yeah. I gave the example. I had to go for an endoscopy and I didn't want to, but I also didn't bite the guy who gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, because I under- this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's happened before. Um, I think I did bite the dentist when I was little, mm. uh, but I've learned better uh, bite into vision. So, you know, you learn, okay, it's for my own good. And my dogs just trust if I'm asking yeah. them to do this, they just res- respect me and know I've got their back. So yeah. I think that's, if you have that, you know, you're 90% of the way there. You know, the dogs aren't as likely to jump on you, bite you. They're more likely to listen to you. They're more Love likely it. to stay close, right? Yeah, All absolutely. All the things we want. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so we have a leadership podcast episode that we recorded a few weeks ago. So you can have a look at that on the McCann Dogs podcast channel. Of course, we have numerous videos on leadership as well. It can be a really confused topic, and it's been sort of taken to all the four regions of the world. Think of it as a common sense approach. You know, leaders are people that we look to to give us good guidance. Coaches, teachers, yeah, exactly. you look up to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and you don't look up to the ones that were tyrants and that were militant and that gave you no options or insight and didn't guide you properly. Or didn't do anything. Exactly, yeah, Yeah. or were just bullies. You Mm -hmm. look up to the ones that helped you, that you would want, that when you're in crisis mode or when you're just looking for some sort of guidance, you want that person in your life. We want to be that same thing for our dogs. And so. the opposite too. You don't look up to the person who's all wishy-washy and who's That's waffling and indecisive yeah. and hesitates. Doesn't guide yes. you. Right. Yes. Exactly. Be that clear guidance for your dogs. Mm-hmm. That's leadership simplified in a nutshell. You can jump in that nutshell with and Instructor Carol. And we do Carol. have an assessment. Yes, we, have- we do. Um, it's actually linked in that leadership episode with the podcast, and I am going to link it in the description below. Awesome. So uh, that will show up in the YouTube podcast um, below the show notes, and you can leave that leave comments for us as well in the YouTube show notes, and we will be happy to answer questions if you have questions that you might like us to address on the McCann Dogs podcast. Oh, I have questions. What, what's your <laughs> question? I don't know. What's your next question? Oh, my, my next question, question is throw for it you. Back so. Oh, is it? Okay. Throw it back at Shannon. Hey, Steve. Talk back to Shannon. Hey, Steve. Ace. Hey. Knock, knock. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Knock, knock. Who's there? Uh, oh, 
I think I I think I destroyed it already. It was supposed to be the ooze one. No, that you. So you're okay. So it's ooze. knock knock. Who's there? Ooze. Ooze. Who's oh, who? Yeah. Ooze a good dog. Ooze a good dog. See, <laughs> this is why you're the dad joke person. Tell good dad joke. Okay, but this next one is for you. Steve. Okay. When does the no. walk start? What? When does the walk start? See, you were being silly. When does the walk start? Like. Like walking, you mean like walking, teaching walking, I walking just, you dog? You know what? You can answer however you would like, however well, well, you interpret. Walk starts right away. Uh, okay. And how, what does that mean? That means teaching my dog how to walk. Ah. That doesn't mean taking my dog for a walk. And then that's like my broken record thing. Yes. So, it's you know. It's a good Steve line. Yeah, that's it, why that question was for you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really, it really is. And for those of you who haven't heard it 1,700 times, this will be 1,701. Um, <laughs> you know, taking your dog for a walk on a nice loose leash and teaching them to walk on a nice loose leash are very different things. And people get in such a hurry to take their dog for yes. a walk, they mm-hmm. don't spend time teaching. Yeah. So the walk starts right away. But it's not around the block. It's not, you know, to the dog park or whatever it is. It's in my kitchen, just following yeah, some food. And then it. it might be in my kitchen in heel position, just following some food. And, you know, for 30 seconds, it starts right away. So all that, you know, that's another one that happens all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And one that people make their lives so much more difficult. Oh. Yeah. Because yes. now we talked about that rehearsal. The dog is rehearsed, pulling you all over the neighborhood. And now you have to backtrack from that, which is so much harder. And everybody has such great intentions because they want to yeah. get their dogs out to things and they want them to be socialized. That, mm-hmm. Let's not go down that road. But, you know, <laughs> that whole idea. Um, but it's the idea of what are they learning? Yeah. Absolutely. And what are they learning? And they learn, okay, well, you're boring because there's an ant and a leaf blew by and there's all these other things mm-hmm. that are way more exciting than you in that moment. So break it into smaller bits, but it starts right away. Perfect. And Swanee. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about, we dropped the big word socialization and I don't want to get into a big socialization That's a whole other 17 right. podcasts. But how do you, how do you um, socialize your dog without going for a walk? Well, I take them places. So I'm going to maybe drive to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and we're going to go way off in the corner so my dog can hear the cars, they can hear the carts, they can hear the people, they can see all those things Mm -hmm. as well. But we're going to start off a distance because I want it to be a positive experience. I don't want, you know, a whole bunch of people, you know, well-meaning people to be coming over and, you know, overwhelming my puppy or possibly a car missing an exhaust, um, which seems to happen a lot lately (laughs) in my city. Um, you know, to spook and scare the puppy. Yeah. We're going to drive to the forest. We're going to drive different places with the puppy, or maybe I would carry them. If I don't have a car, I I might carry them to different areas so they can experience and hear different sounds in a positive fashion. Perfect. And we actually have uh, an entire episode on socialization. You can go back in the McCann Dogs podcast and have a look for that or check us out on the McCann Dogs YouTube channel. So, And there's a lot of things too you can do at home with socializing too. I can put put on a big floppy hat. Uh, so my puppy says... Don't you wear one every day? Well, I try to take it off when I have a shower, but... <laughs> and you think well, it's you hard because then, right, then only yeah. from here down gets showered because the big floppy hat right, covers yes, you the rest yeah, of the water. Yeah. Exactly. But there are yeah, things you can do at home. Yes, absolutely. And anything that is new or novel that creates exposure for the puppy that they can now go, oh, okay, balloons are no big deal. Hey, I just saw a bunch of balloons. I saw a bunch of garbage bags on the curb because mm-hmm. it's Tuesday and that means it's garbage day in my neighborhood no big deal. We just want them to get used to stimuli. We want them to be able to observe and remain neutral Mm -hmm. about things. Did I say observe or observe? I meant to say observe, but I feel like it came out observe. I don't know. I stopped stopped listening a little bit ago. Absurd. I was thinking. Absurd? Absurd. That's the word. Yeah, it is absurd. (laughs) 
Shannon, you're absurd. And if it's a rainy day, you can go crazy like I did during COVID, where I created a little maze in my house through three rooms with different surfaces to walk on, different Mm -hmm. sounds. I hung like a raincoat, so she had to push through, and I got low areas. So you can go nuts creating an obstacle course. It sounds like an early parkour course. (laughs) So instructor Carol has actually just piloted our first parkour program at McCann Professional Dog Trainers, and she's created so many genius things to help dogs just get build confidence and go under and on and through and just build confidence with different things and body awareness and all sorts of great stuff. It's lots of fun. But I have a question for you about the walk. So Steve talked about when the actual walking training starts. When does the individual walk actually start? You've done a couple of good videos about this, so I'm going to like your answer. So, you know, it... um, it morphs, I think. <laughs> so, you know, I've done my training. So the first thing might be just, you know, I've done a video on just exiting the doorway. And yeah. that might take me my whole half hour, just my dog And that's okay. That um, to be able to walk out and not lose their brain. Yeah. Um, and it really is dependent. You know, so many people say, okay, you know, you're saying I should train my dog. What age can I walk them? But it's not about the age. Yeah. It's about is the dog's brain ready for that if they're gonna if they have no impulse control and you know a dog that's easy go lucky maybe you walk very quickly but a dog that's really nose to the ground or every movement they're at full alert or a dog that's nervous that I want to build more confidence in so it really depends on the dog yeah absolutely but the individual walk itself starts when you put the leash on, it starts when you're at the front door. It starts when you're exiting the front door. You know, it sets the tone for the walk. If you let your dog drag you out the front door while you're flailing behind them trying to lock that front door, that's the, the set tone for your walk. Well. Exactly. <laughs> and I yes. love your term individual walk because it's not with family. It's not with my other dogs. Good you know, point. Texas started out, um, you know, short walks might be drive someplace. We mm-hmm. do some play. We do some training. She's in the right frame of mind. I do a 10 minute walk in a quiet area. Mm -hmm. Then I build up and then, you know, maybe it's a quiet area. And the first dog she walked with was Del, who was I think 14 at the time, you know, so a small terrier that's deaf and blind and doesn't move too fast. So he's just tottering. So he's not too interesting so that she's not overexcited. Yes. And then, then she could walk with just Newman and then just Burke and then just Thorpe, who's going to be the toughest. And then it might be the two easygoing ones. Right. So it's, always that morphing into the final walk perfect yeah and think about your life and how your life breaks down and how you want to train your dog because you need to start i always call it the white room and the white room is basically an empty room with no distractions so nothing that's going to challenge the dog and then from there blue room be empty a blue room could be (laughs) empty but that blue color is so exciting (laughs) i really like blue Hopefully that makes my That's point. Ooh, I got overstimulated <laughs> there. Just thinking about blue. Do you have a white room, Shannon? I have Does no white room. Does it have black curtains? No. Is it near stations? I'm thinking your walls are like a beige. They put this funny jacket yeah. on me and it did attack. <laughs> I'm not really it's sure. a soft room. It's it's a soft padded. Room. The padded. The very soft. <laughs> so start small and build Ooh. is the point it's we are hoping that we're making there. Alrighty. Um, what's your best advice for house training, Steve? Like me or the dogs? <laughs> oh, sorry. I just want, it's just I want to qualify. I want to qualify. Uh, best advice for house training. Mm-hmm. Uh, crate and no beds. Crate, no beds. Good crate one. Crate and no beds. Good one. Anything to add to that, Swanee? I would say when they're loose, 
supervision. Supervise. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yes. Carol, anything left to throw in some there? Some of it would be remembering their puppies. Yes. And those bladders are full. So mm -hmm. I get out and I'm playing with my puppy mm -hmm. and we're training that blend of work and play. Like sometimes it's like, oops, I didn't get them out in time. So thinking about how, again, I set them up for success. Perfect. Absolutely love that. So supervision, crate, no beds. Good idea with the, why no beds in the crate, Steve? Let's go back to that for just for a second. Cause I'm sure people are like, huh, that's mean. I know it's so mean. Oh my God. It's so mean. Um, um, you know, for, from a house training perspective, a couple of reasons. A, um, puppies generally won't sleep in their own mess. Uh, and oftentimes, even if it's a little teeny baby puppy in an appropriately sized crate, they could kind of mess in a little corner, kind of dig it off to the side and have a lovely sleep and not have to yeah, worry about it. There's the absorbent, there's the absorbent mm -hmm. factor. Um, um, but uh, that's that's my biggest reason from the house training front. Yeah, I actually, my Rottweiler, I have a great story. My Rottweiler, when she was a puppy, she learned to pee in her water bowl. I've heard so we had to take the water bowl that. out of the crate mm -hmm. because she figured out that she could pee in the water bowl and then be comfortable in the rest of the crate. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it was short-lived, of course, because she got house trained pretty quickly. She was a pretty smart dog, but, mm -hmm. you know, they figure things out. Oh, they they're they're pretty smart. That's right. The yeah. And you must have been solvers. on top of it, too, because... We you, were learning at right. the time. Yes. So Quincy being my first dog, I was like, oh, my gosh. You I know can't believe I, she figured this out. But, and I think yeah. we can also add one thing, and I think this is going to be situation-dependent because this one is, is something that I know none of us... Are, yeah, use we're lucky we have other options is the idea of pee, yeah. pee pads yeah um house training we don't use pee pads mm -hmm. um no everybody has a different situation and sometimes that's what you need to do if you're on the 42nd floor yeah. with a baby puppy in downtown new york then you know you have to change things for that dog but keep again things from the dog's perspective it's okay to go to the bathroom in the house it's okay to go to the bathroom in the house yeah. it's okay to go to the bathroom in the house oh don't go to the bathroom in the house that's not fair to the puppy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, fair information, that can be a big one. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. if you are that person in New York on the 42nd floor and you have no real other option at 3 a.m. other than the pee pad, we would recommend some structure that comes along with that as well. So don't just let the puppy come and go at will to that exactly. pee pad. Put them on leash. Treat it like it's like yep. you're taking them outside. Bring them to mm -hmm. the pee pad on leash. Give them like a set amount of time to go. Try to pair a command with it once they start going. And then from there, you'll have an easier time training transferring that to outside, yes. which in all likelihood, eventually you'll want to transfer that to outside. So yeah. same idea with the litter box. And well, I, I would keep the pee pad close to the door that yeah, the puppy exits out too. Mm -hmm. So the, when you, when you do start to get rid of the pee pad, the puppy is already heading to that door mm -hmm. saying, where's my pee pad? Now yeah. you're just scooting them out. Well, well and on people that. people with apartments, I often suggest out on the balcony if the weather. Yeah. yeah if, if, the they, if they got those facilities for sure. Yes. Yes. Puppy from the mm -hmm. beginning is going outside. Yeah. And, and, and I think the only reason that I wanted to add that too is that there, no, are, some, there are some situations that require that. Yeah. They yeah, absolutely, absolutely do. Yes. But if you don't, if you're not in one of those situations, I, we, I would really encourage you to just get rid of them. You know, it's like the crate, rip the bandaid off, use it, yeah. start, yes. you mm -hmm. know, just do it from the get go and things become so much easier for the puppy. Yes. Yeah. And for yeah. us, because oh, if I have to train the pee pad, Mm -hmm. And then I have to train outside. It's just as easy to yeah. start yeah. with the thing. Just, yes. just start with the yeah. thing you want. Right. Yes. The one yeah. thing yeah. I wanted to add too, you know, um, you know, I mean as well, no blanket. And some of it's for making sure my puppy gets house trained. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is puppies chew. Oh, and yes, the last do. thing I want to do is lose. Puppies are work. Last mm -hmm. thing I want to do is get some work involved and then my puppy eats the bag. Exactly. Yeah. Or just the I'm zipper or something yes. like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. And heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. yes. Heartbreaking. Oh my goodness. The McCann Dogs Podcast is brought to you by McCann Professional Dog Trainers. We help dog owners to have a well-behaved, four-legged family member. Please give us a call at 905-659-1888 
or visit us at mccandogs.com. Happy training!